What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Contractor Secrets Podcast. In today's episode, I sit down with the one and only Jason Paris of Paris Painting. Now, this guy is operating at optimum speed. Um, such a great interview. I mean, if you don't have a notepad, get one. If you are driving listening to this, listen to it when you get home. This guy is taking painting to another stratosphere and it's such an awesome conversation. So I'm super excited for you to jump in uh, on this and kind of pick up some of the really just the dynamic of what an organization looks like when it's operating at such a high level. Uh, honored to have Jason on this podcast and even uh, more honored to have you listen to it. So I'm super excited for you. And that episode starts right now. The big question you need to ask yourself every day is, do I own a job or do I own a business? And unfortunately, the majority of contractors out there own a job. That's right. They're a slave to their own business. But the other side of the fence is so much greener. It's so much better. And that's when you're finally fully in control of your destiny, your freedom, your time. And that's what Contractor Secrets is about. It's about taking back our time, building a business with systems, standards, values, procedures, putting yourself in the driver's seat. And that's what it's about. So I'm excited. I'm happy to have you here. Let's dive into the Contractor Secrets Podcast. All right. What is going on, everyone? I'm here with Jason Paris. He is with Paris Painting in Minnesota. The banner below is the big topic of conversation. Really, we bring on individuals that are just absolutely dominating in, in our field so we can hopefully learn a little bit. And uh, Jason has been in our group here. Uh, in the painting contractors group for those of you in that sharing some uh, some nuggets of wisdom and it's really just nice to have someone like that willing to share so jason welcome to uh to my podcast and uh you know i want to start off man we just want to get right to the meat and potatoes uh 1600 houses okay how does somebody accomplish that and i'm not going to give you such a broad question really i just like to know take us down to the fundamentals man clearly uh you don't have any paint on you what uh is your day-to-day and how do you manage (laughs) such volume man Got it. Yeah. It's been a while since I've uh, had paint on me, but uh, I think there's, you know, that's a good question. It can get granular or it can get meta and I'll start with the meta. So meta, it's obviously not any individual person's output. It's a team of people performing at a very high level to do that. You have to take everything that is intuition and turn it into a process, everything that is recall and turn it into reference, right? Without those two things, you get really funneled on specific people. Once you go into process and re- and reference, then uh, then you can really scale through teams of people. So it's not like can we I, have let a me secret stop sauce. you right there, Jason. Yeah. Intuition, recall. Sorry, okay. intuition into process, recall into, into process. reference. Okay, so talk about that a little bit because that's that's what I want to get down to the gritty here. So you so tell me about that that little formula you just gave us right yeah. there and how important that formula is. Break that down because something like that you glanced over it because I you know you're just yeah. like that's part of Fair what enough. we are. Yeah, you know let's let's dive into that. So that's kind of the process of professionalizing a company, right? You start out as a founder. You uh, if you're gonna get through startup, you have to be really good at a lot of things and be okay. very gritty and be willing to work really hard. And so. Typically, you'll thrive off of intuition, your intuition ability. You just know what to do. You know what to do next. You know how to bid houses. You know how to manage projects. You know how to manage client relationships. You know what to market. You know all these things. And then uh, as far as communication flow between the different functions, it's all recall because you are the communication or you are the the business functions. So everything's based off of, you know, either one person knows this, so they know how to do it or, uh, you know, 
you know, Billy Sue has been in the office for 13 years and she just knows everything. And that's not good because Billy good. Sue can't scale. Yeah. And, no, uh, but you can't scale Billy Sue. <laughs> yeah. You can't scale. You can't scale intuition and, right. you, can't and scale you can't scale intuition. recall. So I think that's a thing that I want to talk about in the painting industry because, uh, in other industries as well, you know, I think majority of the owners that you've interacted with, they're really tied to their skill set, and they can stain and they can, you know, varnish and they can do all these incredible things and they get frustrated when they can't scale their business. And I think one thing that I've ran into is that they hold entry level employees to the same standard, not entry level, maybe just those, the same standard that they have and expect the same similar results. And I think that's what's pr prohibiting their growth is because they can't duplicate themselves and duplicate the quality. So they feel like they need to be doing everything or else mm -hmm. it won't be done correct. Do you find that to be true? You know, I think there's there's a truth to trade-offs as you grow and I'll get into those. But for me, that was not a challenge because I'm not that great of a painter. So <laughs> it was very easy to find people who are much better at me. And I think, okay. uh, you know, the, the likelihood that any individual is the absolute best is probably low at anything. Uh, so you can't find someone that's as good or better than you is probably not accurate. Now, can you recruit them? Do they want to work for you? That's probably a hard no in most cases. Um, and how do you get that to be a yes is the challenge. For the trade-offs, though, I think something that uh, we all struggle with is when you're small and nimble. Uh, first of all, there's nothing wrong with being small. That's a great thing. You can be very, very professional, be very small. Agreed. I want to speak to that ethos of professionalizing your profitability, your lifestyle, all those things can be achieved very well. But if you want to scale and if you want to grow, there are trade-offs. And one of them is you will get oftentimes less nimble and in some ways less efficient. And uh, I was on a call with a, a guy this morning, Mr. Dave Theobald Scaturo out of New Jersey. And... Um, I was just, we were just talking through, you know, sometimes you have to be willing to make those trade-offs and say, you know what, we are going to be less nimble, but we can scale and we are going to be less efficient in these individual roles, but now we have a stable, a stable structure. And uh, I think mentally acknowledging the uh, costs and accepting them is a lot easier than trying to gloss over them and only focus on the positives. So when you say less nimble, what I'm assuming is you're saying, well, in a sense, I believe that you're saying like less, less versatile. Can that, can we put that in that category where you're trying to create a system that you can duplicate? So for example, if you're trying to coach someone into, Hey, in order to scale your business, maybe you can't take on everything. Maybe you should just focus on starting with one project and perfect that system. Is that kind of how you scaled? Like, did you have this one project you guys were like super good at? and then just grew from there? Yeah, I think you're touching right on it. So niching, uh, every company should have their niching day when they settle <laughs> on what they're gonna be great at. Right. right? And for Paris painting, that's exterior repaints. Uh, really? Even really, up north, really, that's your niche, wow. So that's an interesting, we are really good at exterior repaints in a state that has seven months of winter. That's right? crazy. And you think that'd yeah. be a really hard thing to Perfect. scale. Uh, sure. But it's it's stacking our chips and what we're good at. And I think this is a conversation I had on your group earlier this week, which is, yeah. you know, what are you good at, right? And build a yeah. business model around that. We are just really, really good at complex scheduling and logistics and operations. Wow. Uh, and so we stack our chips there because it's a very, very hard problem to solve. And but no once solved, you pretty it. much dominate the market. Yeah, nobody solves found? it as good as we do. At all. Yeah. Right. Wow. We are trending to be the, the <laughs> largest, or we're trending to be the largest paint purchaser from Sherwin Williams in the state. 
right? Wow. And that's including Incredible. commercial and industrial. Uh, so we are like, we are, it's very, very hard to do. But including we do. commercial and industrial, you guys as a residential only painting contractor are yeah. on pace to well, be we're the painting one. over 1600 homes in a All right. In a so year. where's Sherwin Williams sending you this year for vacation? Just curious. You know, we have a great relationship <laughs> with Sherwin Williams. I really do. I appreciate them. They have a, a phenomenal team and yeah, I know we just feel like they have our back. And so we really yeah, like that. Agreed. Our CFO is very good at negotiating with them and, it's cool. uh, yeah. There's there's the trips, there's the rebates, there's the price, there's the swag, yep. there's the just being a team. It's important to take it's all loyalty. those things into consideration. It is it's loyalty because they are a business too, and we're their customers. Sometimes we think because they're so big that like we, you know, but I'm kind of their, it, we're kind of their employees. We're we're selling essentially. Their yeah, we're so we are an extension of them. I love that, and they do take care of. It. I I just you know yeah. with that uh, accolade yeah. there, man, that's awesome. You deserve it. So, kind of transitioning here. I love the fact that you you hit on. We have a lot of people that are up north, right? And they can't yeah. seem even as Jason. I'm talking hundred to two hundred thousand a year in revenue to really crack the code of sustaining through the winter. And mm -hmm. it could just be because they don't know where to start. So yeah. please, at your most basic level, please travel back in time with me, man. Go back to the yeah. very beginning and help help uh, help our audience here understand what the strategy should be for them trying to at least just get through the winter and stay busy. Because um, yeah, I'm sure the principles are the same, right? Even at uh, 1,600 houses a year, the principles are probably the very same, very low, correct? Yeah, I think it's fair to acknowledge that that's a hard problem and not everyone is going to solve it. Now, I'd say on the exterior season, you don't have to put in much effort to get your work. Uh, it kind of falls into your lap, and most guys book out for the summer yeah. pretty quick. And yeah. there's, you're really not used to doing effort. And okay. uh, that's not a way to get results when you want to do hard things. Right. And so if you feel like you're just going to fall into results by not putting in hard effort, um, that's not going to win. Right. Now, if you want to put in the effort, I mean, it's hard to do, but you – you know, the most basic things are stack your chips on what's winning. That's going to be different in every single market, depending on your brand position. And so it's not like there's a secret code for us. It's really, you know, where did the cheese move? And you got to stack your chips on wherever it moved today or tomorrow. And we have a really smart guy that manages that stuff. Uh, if I were going to put my, myself back at day one, day two, day three, um, I would just say be willing to get gritty and get humble. And there's nothing wrong with knocking on doors and saying, uh, can I give you a quote to paint, do an interior painting this year, right? That's how I started my business, just knocking on doors. And wow. I am not an extrovert, and I did not love doing that. But <laughs> it's how I started because hey, you uh, did it. It's what, I want, what's, it's what I had to do, right? Right. So that would be my advice is get gritty, get humble, stack your chips. Obviously, there's always, you know, start planning early, get your client list up, uh, all those good things. But yeah, huge. My advice. Huge. I love it, man. And I think that, um, you know, when you when you put it into perspective like that, you know, I don't think everybody has the goal of getting that big. I think some just want to replace their job and become a business owner. You know, Ooh, that's I like, like that. First step, I like that. Right. Phrase. So, yeah, man. I mean, I feel like, you know, if, if you're coming to work every day and you're just bombarded by everything, if I, you know, I did I did this thing where I, I say, hey, you know, if you had to outline all of your responsibilities for a business owner. I mean, we're talking answering the phone, picking up paint, you know, driving to the job. Some of us put samples on the wall. Some of us do touch-ups. Then we actually got to perform the work. Then we got to answer the phone while performing the work. Then we got to go to the estimate, like probably over 30 tasks easily 
that are never being done efficiently. So for me, um, you know, what I'm hearing out of you, you even mentioned this subtly again, I'm going to try to bring you back down to, uh, to our level here, man, because I love that on a, on a large stage, you're, you're, you're dialed into this. Cause I, don't, I haven't seen anyone doing it like this yet. I haven't spoken to anyone. So I'm very humbled to be here with you. Number one, you said you have a CFO. Okay. CFO is somebody that's managing your finances, negotiating your prices, um, yeah. probably overseeing payroll. Is that their responsibility yeah. as well he in the company? A, yeah. He has like an admin assistant that does the. Look, so he's got, he's yeah. delegating. So like essentially like what you really are at the core is a master delegator. Would you say that that fits the mold? Um, I think delegation, but also um, aligning team and team incentives and empowering people to be extremely motivated. And yeah. this is not a me thing. This is a we thing. And that's kind of one of our ethoses of corporate culture is honor in all directions. And wow. just making sure that we're not, it's never about me. It's about right. we. The team. Yeah. yeah. I love that, man. I love that. And putting people in positions to succeed. Yeah. Um, he's way better than I am. So it's not hard. Again, yeah. This is like yeah. another easy thing. It's like, gosh, you know, I, yeah. I have an economics degree. I like spreadsheets and all those things, but he is like, <laughs> He's Very already good. And that yeah, says a he, lot if for someone like you that's coming in saying, hey, this is something I like and I'm giving that role to somebody else. And I think if we had to look at a pie chart of the owners of painting businesses, I would and you can maybe agree with me. Ninety five percent, you would say, are actually people that their number one skill is painting. Right. Would you agree? Ninety nine percent. Ninety nine, even even higher. And then the one percent of residential companies get above a million bucks. And right. At that point, you're. Yeah. That's crazy. Actually, that's a good stat. So yeah. So like guys like us who have a sales and marketing mind and can create these systems, you know, for us, it's easy to plug somebody into the role of production. Cause that's not our strength, you know? Yeah. It, you know, it's like that was the first I, thing you let go of. Yeah. I would love to give somebody the painting and that was easy for yeah. me. Like, Hey, you can paint. Cool. Go. Why is it so hard though for the guys, the 99% to actually give up with their great at and you just told me yeah. i like spreadsheets i'm i'm into economics but i was able to pass the baton to somebody else you know yeah. what 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 was that there that allowed you to do that because i think if we can solve that problem that opens up the floodgates for a lot of people to free themselves um maybe you can elaborate on that yeah thinking through it i'd say one you do have to create value somewhere else and so you have a business model that uh typically is not excessive margins um uh, should be very profitable. You should be making a good net, but this is not like selling key lime pies, right? No, These are a little bit different. House, painting, house painting businesses. So if you're going to step out of something and delegate, you do have to provide value somewhere else. And that isn't always available for every person that becomes a solopreneur, right? Right. That right. best place they can provide value is in painting and there's nothing wrong with that. So I think one, you have to make sure you provide value somewhere else. And then second, have that humility to say, you know, it's your show. You're going to get the glory in this case. Like I used to be the hot shot all-star painter and now you get the glory at the house. And the client is like, yeah, Billy's the best. Right. Yeah. And Johnny, who's the That's owner, it. like, yeah, it was nice. I met Johnny, did the sales, but Billy, man, he, he gets the Billy the took care today. of me. Right. Yeah. So you're saying That's essentially it. being okay with dishing out that credit, getting rid of the ego involved and just saying, Hey, you know, put that credit on the team, gives them ownership, That's gives hard. them a feeling of belonging. A lot of people, their business is their, identity and this is another thing yeah. you have a great group you just have a great group the conversations you generate are great <laughs> i said this on another chat on your ones where it's like um i forget what the topic was but it was like you do not need to be your company because the, yeah. the danger there is you have a good year it's a boom economy everything's rocking you're like gosh i'm pretty 
pretty hot stuff today, right? Yeah. Like, no, like Europe, your business is hot stuff. That's true. Your business is. Uh, but how do you value yourself and what is your identity and all those things? Flip side would be you have a bad week. You get a bad, you know, bad review or something yeah. or a job. You lose money. Oh. You're like, oh, I'm a bad person. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't, I personally don't have value. You're like, no, that's not yeah. true. That's your company has not had a great week. Yeah. That's so separate, that separate your identity from your company. And I think when you do that, you can make more decisions that aren't so much emotionally tied, you know, not saying yeah, that it's that's a bad thing. I think it's healthy and it's, but it's a hard thing because most of us are not very creative. We use our last name and then the trade that we're doing. So that's what a lot of trades that's companies hard, that's are. That's hard to separate. It's hard that's to separate. hard to separate for uh, sure. It's healthy too. And then you can start to view it as a business and it's not, you know, what do I want today? It's what are the needs of the business? And, well, your last name's kind of versatile. Yeah. Yeah, it is a little bit. So, <laughs> it is for, yeah, a little bit yeah. versatile. I like that. I never yeah, thought I'd cool. be doing this more than like a summer. So maybe I would have chosen something man. different. It has so a good alliteration the- to it. Yeah. Where was the turning point though? Like, I mean, for me, I'm only doing 250 houses a year. Okay. It's a There's lot. like this threshold. You know, it's like the, yeah. It's like 1% of or like, yeah, you're, I'm you're grateful for, I'm grateful for what we're accomplishing here, but like, there's still this threshold where I'm like, man, like yeah. when I hit to three crews that adds about 125 houses and yeah. All I'm thinking is, is like, okay, now I have to hire upper management because like, this is what I can handle without upper management. I have one supervisor. He bounces between the crews sales. Okay. After that, there's this point of upper management and I'm learning this in drip jobs because I'm creating a culture and a system and all this, and we're creating the roles to be fulfilled. And what I've learned in business is that you can't hire somebody without clear cut roles, responsibilities, structures, outcomes, and goals, or they're going to fail. And I think there, there was a point you probably had to sit down and say, okay, here's the responsibility of a project manager from start to finish. Now, is that something you're just disciplined in doing and able to monitor the results to make sure that you're getting value out of the money that you're paying for this role? Like, can you tell me about that? Like what, how you're doing that as each role gets created in your company? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Uh, first, I'll say, like, you should do that. If you don't do it, it can work. You're just going to spend a lot of money. So yeah. that's the flip side. Yeah, it's about right? a waste of time. Or you're, paying, or you're paying someone to be a driver, right? You're saying, you're going to figure this out. Um, yeah. I think I'm okay at it. I've, I did it in the early years, and I was pretty in tune with that. Um, I, now it's like another humility piece. We have a president who runs the company. And that's wow. like, Rick, he's a better at running the company than I am. And wow. that's kind of like, it could be an ego shot or you can have the humility and say, gosh, did if I'm going to look at this. Or did you, did he turn into yeah, a president? Yeah. So I, um, well, I, I grew up, I knew him in college and we both okay. did little painting companies of the student variety oh, nice. back then. Okay. And yeah, then he so- stayed on for a long time and got quite a bit of corporate experience managing a large kind of franchise-ish unit of nice. painting, painting companies. So, nice. um, so he has a lot of experience and he's very, very talented and he is, by far the most productive human I've ever met. Uh, wow. He's very, very good. So he he runs the company. He's the one that's really professionalizing and scaling. Uh, so it's really empowering him. So sorry, but I'm not like an all-star. So he's a driver. Uh, he's what you call a driver, right? Somebody would, that- Yeah, in the traction model, he would be the integrator. Yeah, so right. he so creates those that, systems now. Yeah, and he is- so I love very, the very higher good. level thinking. Here. He left, so we recruited him. He uh, 
because he left the role he was in and then did consulting for franchise units or franchisors. And so he would come in with his methodical mind and find where their weaknesses and where they needed to put the resources and what the root issue was. And so like the stuff that he does, it's like bullet points and bullet points and bullet points. And like, he's a very brilliant human being. And we were talking about delegation and like putting the brush down is a challenge for people. Uh, taking your sales hat off and acknowledging yeah. that a team of people are better at selling up than you. the keys to your company was yeah. a little difficult too, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, in some yeah. ways it's been, it's been, it was awesome. Yeah. And a lot, I mean, it was easy. Cause I was like, great. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't talk to customers. Yeah. So yeah. give me my, give me our quarterly updates. And as long as it looks mm. good, board approves it, but there's certainly an ego shot that comes with that. And that is a, a mental game. Even if you acknowledge that you have to wrestle with. How many real. people are in your organization total? Uh, top line. So we structure things a little unique too. So we have yeah, shared resources. Share, yeah. We have a holdings okay. company. So we have a painting division, uh, like a repair and remodeling division, and then a little in-house marketing and flyer distribution company that services our business units, but then also a handful of others in the Twin Cities. Okay. Um, so we have a lot of shared resources. There's between like 30 and 40 overhead staff that are in the office. And then we have project managers, sales reps, and 99% of our labor is subcontracted. And so there's just a handful of W2 um, guys and gals in the field. How do you, now, are you taking on new subcontractors constantly or do you just have well, long-standing relationships? Uh, well, we did 5.2 million last year and we're gonna do 9 million this year, so. Uh, we are truly in the scaling mode at Paris Painting, right? That's a big jump. I don't think I've ever heard a jump like that, but we're trending for 12, right? We're trending for 12. We made the safe call at nine. That's what we set our budgets at. So we're going to spend to nine because we're trending for 12. But we had some anomalies in Q1, largely that we did more interior painting than we've ever done because that was a board initiative okay. that came right. to diversify and do more interior painting. So it calls at nine. That's a big jump. And so, no, like those are not all the same people. They're like majority new new subcontractors let's talk about expansion is that came across the uh the table of uh expanding yeah. or franchising what's the focus so the twin cities are i mean it's a big market right it's yeah. like uh you know you could do a lot but we are the major player here and yeah there will come a point where it's not really about um capping out a market share but at some point you do cap out your marketing spends efficiency and so that's really the metrics that we're watching. We have ID'd a couple of We haven't had that tipping point yet where it makes sense. You're not just yet. Right we'll now. probably stabilize who knows, in that 12, $15 million range okay. for the, the Twin Cities. And then you do look to go regional. And there's a couple of satellite communities in the Twin Cities. There's one called Rochester. There was one called St. Cloud. They're both within driving distance, but they are separated as far as who is going to work between those different areas. You don't get painters crossing town to either one. And then you do start to do regional plays. And then the way that those are vetted out is ultimately TBD. The preference is always to leverage capital and experience to reduce the time, the timeline and the risk. And so the, the, there's a couple of things we do. Our holdings company will be coming more public at the end of Q3, early Q4. Uh, we are sponsoring the residential forum for the Painting Contractors nice. Association. So we'll be cool. presenting there. All right, right on. But yeah looking to partner and take minority equity positions, at least to start and uh, build assets with drivers who can help us speed up our time horizon if we were to do it on our own and reduce the risk. Wow. So essentially, you know, looking, looking from, from this is way above, I'll be honest, way above my head. 
Okay. And that's good. Cause I'd love to, I love hearing this stuff. Cause it gets my brain churning really of like, you think You're about it. I think, I don't think it's above your head. I think it's just above your exposure. I think yeah, exposure. exposure. Yeah. yeah, there's way above my exposure, which is awesome because I'm being exposed to it right now. So this is good. Yeah, so, cool, but what's cool is is that like you know when you think of a painting company, right? You can't touch it. You know, it's not like a tangible thing, but you you've created tangibility, and I think uh, that's that's what I I value most is you've created something that could be handed over and valued at a certain amount, uh, which, which is the epitome of success in our industry, I believe is to create something that's turnkey. And would you say that you've done that? So I would say two comments. Um, one, absolutely. So I'm a shareholder. I, my equity produces value regardless of my efforts in this business. Uh, I don't have any role in the day-to-day affairs painting. I operate at a board level. Um, and then I'm very, very in tune with what all of holdings is going to be doing in the upcoming years. So it's that's you talked about owning a job and then getting from a job to owning a business. A business is where your people and processes produce you revenue, but you're still the leader. You still have to drive it. At some point, you become a shareholder. And let's say you own stock in Coca-Cola. That stock is going to provide a return of equity growth to you, regardless of you don't work at Coca-Cola, right? right? Regardless of your efforts. And so right. what we have we have generated was a true asset. And it's equity provides value for us of the effort. That's a challenging place to get to. Challenging uh, place to get to. Yeah, Very it's a challenging place. Impressive place to get to. And so, 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 what do you do for throughout the day, man? Do you just go on podcasts? Yeah. So, so my role is pretty <laughs> ambiguous right now. It's like uh, technology. Um, so we have custom software. That's been probably my passion. I think that's one reason that's helped us scale a lot as well. Love it. And so, got to have the system. Pretty, Pretty tied into that, working with the dev team, making sure it rocks well. Uh, we're building out basically the integrations of that. We do plan to do minority partnerships in different markets and license out the Wology and Playbook. And so that is something that I'm pretty tied into. But uh, I mean, I still, I love coming to work. The guys that I work with make me better people and uh, they're fun, fun to so hang out with. So in terms of minority partnerships, essentially what you're doing is you would buy a piece of companies in exchange for your systems processes, right? Yeah. So there is, it's an interesting model. So most companies are not worth anything just to call that out outside of their assets and maybe a client list because yeah. you'd value buying a job. And the people that do that are usually mid-level corporate burnouts who get sold on repayability of or the repaid nature of a painting client. And they uh, usually crash and burn. Right. If you look through the uh, disclosure documents. Yep. Sorry, I was losing you, man. You're you're Mike. I'm probably leaning too far back. Um, yeah, stay close. <laughs> so we're missing the good stuff. So I just talked about. Um, what was your question? My question was. It. No, you got sidetracked. No problem. Yeah. So my question was, you know, looking at. Uh, man, I forget my question, man. I was so I was trying to figure out. Where were we? Oh, we were talking about regionalization, minority equity. What is an exchange for? Yeah. So oh, yeah. We is, were talking about yeah. You you um. We were jumping into you buying equity in companies in exchange for your systems. Yeah, exchange for systems. Wallogy. And you were saying that no one yeah. has equity in in their company. They don't have a evaluation. But you want yeah. and most people they don't. Yeah, systems are only as good as a driver. What they, most people want. What I've had success with is getting operating partners, right? right? People who have aligned incentives to grow the equity of your company of a mutual asset to a stage that it makes sense to either um, do a sunset and take a buyout or potentially do an equity Are you providing swap. funding or no? 
I mean, we have a lot of cash if anybody needs funding. I don't know if funding is <laughs> a major driver. So, I mean, painting businesses are great cash on cash returns. Funding usually yeah. is not a big driver. Um, banks are usually, if you've got, I mean, if you're in a position where you're actually going to scale and you're a real business, banks are pretty open to lending those lines of credit, especially right now. Cash right. is really cheap. Um, but yeah, I think those are all interesting components. And then you look at the sunset clause of, was it look like to take care of me through a sunset? We through an ESOP and then an, an equity exchange to where you change your three to four X multiple on a smaller business unit to now it suddenly becomes six to eight when it gets rolled into a larger holdings. Those are the like, like value generations that are super exciting. So usually an average painting company is a one X multiplier, right? Would you agree? I mean, three to four. I mean, so most companies so? Three to four on sales or profit. Uh, well, on net. On net profit. On net. Okay. Is yeah. it always on net when they're when they're or EBITDA? Usually? I mean, typically, when you say always, I mean every deal is whoever wants whoever somebody wants yeah, to spend. Different. But if you work with brokers so, or you're tied into that community, it's a three to four x multiple for the for what the the net the net profit profit is showing. for. Is it an average of years or is it on a big year? I mean, it depends if you're scaling up or scaling down. Those are when you get into negotiations. You typically look at the past year and then say, well, is that an anomaly or is that stable? Yeah. And then negotiate from there. But you yeah. kind of have that class of EBITDA, it's three to four X, but then when you hit that $2 million threshold, you enter into a new asset class. And that's kind of the value, like I was saying, of rolling into a larger holdings company. If you want to take care of the we versus me, suddenly you just create value by becoming a larger net EBITDA. Entity, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And in, in terms of holding company, let's build, let's break that down. So essentially, you know, let me paraphrase and then you correct me if I'm wrong. Holding company is essentially a bigger company on top of your painting company that manages multiple entities, correct? So, all right. So we have all of holdings and then we have all of management. All of holdings is an asset holder. All of management manages and runs the, the assets. It's kind of like you would do with apartment complexes, right? Most people, they would own uh, some real estate and they would hire a management company to deliver a return on that asset. Mm -hmm. And then you negotiate that. That's kind of a yearly contract. So right now we negotiate with ourselves to say, you know, here's the target, here's the profitability that's going to be returned to the shareholders. And what's that worth? Right. right. So here's a, you know, an X, X dollar contract to go run, you know, a $16 million business unit. And we expect this return from it and we'll split the upside in this manner. And then you check in monthly and you do your quarterly trends. And sometimes the management team will come back and say, we'd like to renegotiate. We think we can, you know, go from a 7.5 million return or million revenue in painting to a nine. And we'd like to seek additional funding for these roles. And the asset holders may say, ah, now nah, I would like to play it safe. Or they may say, yeah, we're, we believe in you guys and we think you're going to do it. And we like to what I love is the separation, there. Jason. Like, here's yeah. the thing. Like, even though that you're negotiating with yourself, the separation is what I love. Even though you're standing here, like, and obviously, in, a, in a, maybe later down the line, you won't be negotiating with yourself. That's the goal, right? No, Where, that's the plan. Yeah. That's the plan, right? Be. So you don't want to be doing that. But eventually, you know, as of right now, you're playing the role of this negotiation process where you're allocating resources dependent on really projections that you've you know, I mean, probably really weird this year with that major jump, right? Like, how do you even so, project next year? Well, with it's a, like, it is a fun negotiation because you want to think of the precedent setting as well, because at some point yeah. we do want to hire a management team and strictly become right. asset holders, but you do have to wear both sides of the hat. <laughs> That's the fun part, on right? One side, you're like, on one side, you're like, what do you mean? I'm growing your, you know, I'm growing your equity by this much and you want, you want your equity to grow and cash on cash return. 
Like, get right. out of here. And then you put your hat yeah. on the other side. And you're like, well, what about the PPP? Are, get that out yeah. of your mouth. That's mine, not yours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so when you look at it, it has to be. And I think in the market, here's what I've experienced. This is my, my mindset about what happened. And I think that last year, you know, the people who wanted to get their house painted obviously held off. Right. So they were just like, no, I'm not doing it because of COVID. And then this year, those people decided that they wanted it done. And then the people who were planning on doing it this year wanted it done. So we're, we're experiencing like a duplicate demand. Would you agree with that? Do you think that's far off? I think there's a potential for that. I think that's a part yeah. of it. I think we saw that in kind of 2010 through 14. There was yeah. a lot of deferrals okay. from the years past mm -hmm. where um, there's kind of built up demand. It's but cyclical, right? It's cyclical. Everyone has the idea that they want it done. If you own a house, right? Yeah, there is, there is, and I think that affects you know maybe less sophisticated model or right. business plans where you're really dependent yeah, yeah, on those cycles to hit you. Um, right. But on the macro scale, it's it's like an abundance economy out there because there's such a disparity between supply and demand of the demand of painting needs regardless of the cycles that are this high the supply yep. regardless of the cycles are this low right? are you trending down in your That's marketing are you trending down in your marketing expense let's let, let me start there like if you look at it are you spending less on marketing this year than you did last year as a percent yeah it's weird that's yeah, so what that's i like, mean that's, search, that's yeah. what i mean I because, that. yeah because if you're spending yeah. less on your marketing this year it's simple and, and you probably have data to look years past so you're probably yeah. seeing that like what you know this is weird and i think that's what it is i'm not sure i'm just that's my theory because i'm yeah. i'm hardly spending anything on marketing right now yeah you it know? just comes in and yeah and it's just coming phone's ringing like crazy like i can't even keep up with it and uh it's great you know but i'm just saying man i hope this <laughs> i want it to last i hope this ripple effect continues into next year um it's interesting too like um obviously the phone ringing is important and sales mm -hmm. are important but that's hardly ever the constraint of a painting company right uh, that's usually not so like we put all this mental focus on like oh is is demand high or low it's like well like does it matter <laughs> like can you execute right. regard like let's say you do get more calls in execution that, are you gonna be able to deliver that right sales yeah. are for show productions for dough and can you Ooh. actually do it that's getting locked in. Okay. <laughs> I like that one. Normally yeah. it's uh what is it? Profits for vanity or no sales is for vanity profit for sanity or one of those ones. I've heard of that one. <laughs> Anything that's an alliteration. A plus. Yeah. The alliteration, okay. man. It's funny. I love it, man. Jason, dude, I I've got a lot uh, of respect for what you're doing and uh, glad to have you part of our group. Even more thankful to have you on, on this uh, podcast, man. I, I learned a lot. Thank you for the exposure of uh, what that, uh, what that, I mean, you're going, so I'm, I'm afraid maybe next year, I don't even know what's going to happen, but I'm sure it's going to be great, man. Uh, so thank you we'll for joining out. us today, yeah. man. I really appreciate it. And you're a uh, part Thanks of the PCA. Let's, so you're, yeah, so, so I'll give the you plug. Wanna, you want to hit so, on that? Yeah. Painting Contractors Association is a nonprofit entity. It's underwritten by all the major paint manufacturers really to benefit the members right. and also benefit the industry. And so it's uh, something that people join. It's obviously a low cost for the value that's provided because it's underwritten. But um, yeah, it's, it's something that I'm pretty passionate about, like to give back, like to volunteer in that capacity. Uh, this year I've stepped into the chair role. And so I'm the chair of the association. And um, Nick Slavic, who many people know, I'm sure you know, yes. is, our, is our vice chair. And yep. um, yeah. So what's the PCA? initiative for you guys? So what is, if you had one major yeah. initiative to kind of, cause I know it probably revolves, right? It's every like four years, they probably pick someone new. Um, or maybe yeah. you get reelected, hopefully. I don't know if well, that's your I'll, goal, but we'll what is like the initiative? 
Yeah. You know, so what do you think? Like, what's the thing? If you're trying to make a change in the industry, you know, what's that? Like, what's that thing, man? What are you trying to do? Yeah, it's going to be about professionalizing paint businesses, going right. from owning a job to owning a company. And how do you cross that chasm? And so yeah, that's my major of, initiative. I think of all the trades, we have the we we have the the chance of actually being looked at as a superior trade, man. First, the other ones can follow suit. I'm just saying, painting contractors, man. It's you know, weird that it hasn't, it hasn't <laughs> happened yet, and it's going to happen. And you've seen this I in think it pretty will. much every other industry that got, has gotten professionalized. And I think one of the big catalysts of that happening is be and when people start realizing their equity. And right now a lot of bright minds are not getting into painting. They don't want to run painting businesses because they look at it like uh, build equity. They want to build equity, yeah. right? And it's yeah. got good cash on cash returns, but uh, you just don't hear many stories of like a lot of liquidity happening in this market. And I think, right. or sorry, in this industry, I think once you start to see that, uh, that'll open the floodgates of bringing professionalization in. Same right. time, we also want to build it up, right? That's kind of where it has to start. But um, I think. You, we've seen it in in farming. You've seen it in coffee shops. Agreed. Yeah. You've seen it in the financial sector, right? Where it's super fragmented, yeah. pretty mom and pop, and then you start to get a little bit of a roll up, and suddenly there's a lot of private yeah. equity that's. And by equity, and by equity, and just kind of breaking this down, you know, equity. You mean essentially creating an asset for yourself. That's that's yeah. the first step, and then you create an asset for others. You know, and when you can yeah. create an asset for others, that that's when the fun happens, and that's I believe what you're you're doing. I think Elon Musk, Musk, he owns like less than 10% of Tesla, right? It's a lot yeah, of value that. for other people. That is it's a, a lot, lot of value for other people. It's a lot of value for other people. Same thing That's with amazing. Jeffrey Bezos, right? He yeah. owns a very small percentage of Amazon. That's a lot of equity and value for a lot of people. That amazing. Generated. Yeah. Wow. This is fun. We're all in business. We just happen to be doing painting. Yeah. Painting is the best, like you said, right? Love but it. I think you have to be passionate about it too, right? There's a lot of people in a lot of different businesses and people that run painting companies, they're passionate people. Yeah. Right? And that's a really good thing. And trying to mesh that passion with professionalization, I think that's where you just get like everything aligns. It aligns. Awesome, man. Jason, thank you for your time, my friend. Hopefully, uh, you know, maybe we can check in a couple months from now. I'd love to have you back. Good. Good. Hope All I right, my man. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, man. Drip Jobs CRM is finally here. That's right. So Drip Jobs is an automation platform for contractors, home service professionals that's going to automatically follow up with your customers. It's going to allow you to send invoices, estimates. It's going to allow you to send out blast marketing emails to individuals based on where they are in the buying process. This software is next level. And I'm reaching out to you. You're a listener of this podcast, and I want you to be one of the first ones to give it a shot. So if you want to see what Drip Jobs can do for your business, I'd love for you to head over to dripjobs.com, sign up for a free demo and get your team involved and let us sit with you and show you how powerful this software is. It's gonna save you time, it's gonna make you money and you're gonna love the features that are built into DripJobs. So if you wanna check it out, head over to dripjobs.com and we will give you first priority being a podcast listener uh, to be one of the very first to try out DripJobs in your home service business. I'm super excited to share that with you and I'll catch you on the next episode.